From Cowork 591 Studios, I'm Jim Gillespie, and co-host Dale Reber is with me, along with producer Blake Tempest, and this is a Jessup News for April 18th, 2023. On today's podcast, we have Jessup News, along with Service and Art. It is a full night as we're going to talk about humor, as April is Humor Month. We talk more about this year's Farmer's Day. We remember the great artist and magician Harry or Eric Weiss. Almost gave away a secret there. <laughs> uh, we talk about the greatest basketball ever, game ever played. We look at the events inside the Steve Brown Arts Center, and we give you the top stories in Jessup, and we're going to talk about the April wins. We're sponsored this week, as always, by Reyes Concrete Service, the Littleton Lounge, LLC, Littleton Chatham Historical Society. The Littleton Chatham Historical Society strives to accurately document, promote, and preserve the history of the Littleton and Chatham area, cultivate an interest in educational understanding for future generations. I dropped the ball last week, Dale, as uh, this past weekend, the the uh, Littleton Chatham Historical Society had a breakfast. Oh, okay. So, so uh, I saw the sign there, but I thought it was an upcoming thing, and so yeah. I drove by there yesterday. So, yeah, it, it is. Well, it is. We're ta- we're taping this on Wednesday. Oh, and I it see. will be Saturday. So, as this comes out on Monday. Okay, I'm all confused. Yeah, but I'll take your yeah. word for it. So yeah, I, I try to confuse the listeners as, <laughs> as often as I well, can. Well, you're doing a wonderful well. job. Thank we have lots you. of letters about Thank that. Thank you. Um, we're also supported by Dream Chaser Acres, Cowork Five Nine One Studios, M and M Bakery in Lawrence, Kansas, Jacobson Fabrication and Repair LLC. And laces the local arts and comprehensive education strategies in Independence, Iowa, is a new sponsor. Thanks to our sponsors. The Steve Brown Arts Center is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that has a vision for artists, young and old alike, to have the opportunity to better themselves while helping to build the skills of those around them. And we'll be offering community programming starting in Jessup, Iowa, before expanding to neighboring communities. Programming will include a community speaker series that will showcase existing creatives who reside within the community as well as a pop-up series that will spotlight and partner with local businesses to provide opportunities for community engagement. The Long Range Vision is a house a rural artist residency program for professional and emerging artists in all areas of the arts and humanities. Artists will be offered accommodations and studio space in exchange for a contribution of labor and maintenance of the buildings and the grounds. We want to say hi to all our new listeners this week. We want to say hi to our friends that have been listening since we started. We appreciate your loyalty. We are up to 50 Spotify followers. All we need is another 4,950 <laughs> followers, Dale, to reach our goal of 5,000 listeners. We're almost there. Yeah, it's no pressure. As Dale recommends each week, tell a friend. Yes. In Jessup News, the Iowa Economic Development Grant was awarded to the Splash Pad for $77,000. Actually, it 
needs a matching grant of $20,800 in the next 90 days mm. to secure that. Okay. And so as we as we uh, go on air today, I talked to Coley the day before yesterday, and he asked, asked to... Uh, do a, do a reminder that uh, this this process is almost done. If we can find twenty thousand eight hundred dollars, it'll be real close to having enough to complete the splash pad. Um, they did not approve the second reading of the eighty foot lot. Ah, okay. Um, and so that that will be this next board meeting, I believe, this week. When you t- mentioned that last week, I was thinking about frontage, but you're probably talking about depth, aren't you, of the lot instead of frontage? Or I think it's frontage. Oh, okay. I believe it's frontage. Oh, okay. Well, then I was right in my assumption. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. May 6th the, is the citywide garage sales in Jessup. May 13th is Jessup Cleanup Day. Um, they are... Dale, um, I'll ask you to talk about how things are going for for Farmers Day. Well, uh, we're meeting uh, once a week now. We get to that point, and uh, if everything works well, we've been really concentrating on Thursday night, trying to make it worthwhile for people to come since we don't have the carnival and get kids there. And we've got some stuff lined up. I think it's going to be wonderful if it all pan. You know, you, you get that where going to do this, going to do this, going to do this, but uh, maybe something will happen and we won't be able to. And so we're still working on that. But I think uh, people will be pleasantly surprised uh, about uh, what goes on Thursday night if this all comes to pass. Uh, we're going to have a adult three-on-three basketball tournament right. in the park on Saturday. Uh, Brock Sabres is going to take care of that. It'll start after the parade and go until... We run out of teams, and so okay. uh, are you gonna be? You gonna play or? I fear I'll I'll break a hip, Dad. <laughs> okay, well we don't want that. So, uh, but other than that, we're still. Uh, we talked with the uh, representative from the Bulletin Journal and get all our advertising straightened out, and so uh, that's always the big thing to know what you're going to do and how much it's going to cost you because it uh, lets you know how much money you have left for other things, I guess. Because uh, and the advertising is always. Uh, you know, is it working? Is it not working? Will people show up if you didn't advertise at all? And so it's always hard. But uh, we are very pleased with the Bulletin Journal. They helped us last year, and they're working for us again this year. And uh, uh, we think they gave us a lot of good publicity. We're even putting an ad again in the uh, county fair <laughs> program. And so uh, we try to help them out. And I hope that people at the county fair will uh, come and give us a chance, too. So, uh, But anyway... Stay with us. I think it's going to be really great. So one, one I'll, the, I'll give you all this other stuff when I can. I don't right. want to make promises I can't yeah. keep. So, yeah. Um, one of the greatest challenges for the Steve Brown Arts Center is our our advertisement. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, our advertisement budget is limited. I don't know if you saw there was there were a couple of uh, uh, billboards in Independence and the. The company that put those billboards up did not get an okay from the community uh-huh. and ended up having to take them down. Yeah. Um, but billboards are $600 a month, 
and you must sign at least a at least a six month contract, oh, wow. and not a yearly contract. Yeah. So that, that's too expensive. Yeah, um, it really is. There, you know, there. It's just, you know, it's it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing from the city news. They are trying to find out what kind of water pipes each house has in our community because it's important, obviously. They need to know where the lead and copper pipes are mm-hmm. in our community. Um, they were showing me the, the map of Jessup, and they're doing real well, but they must be done with that. I believe it is by the end of next year. Okay. And it's not uncommon when they have a free time. Um, they're they're in the backyard of a house. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, they're looking for lead and copper lines. Yeah. For, for obviously, for Well, the for lead is the bad reasons. one. Yeah. 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 So if you have copper, that's okay, right? That's what they want you right. to have. Yeah. Right. So. Do you think that lead poisoning is what did in the Roman Empire? Or I've heard that before. That's one of the, one, one of, of the many. There, yeah. there, there's there's probably half a dozen to a mm-hmm. dozen reasons why yeah. the the Roman Empire no. failed. Okay, I just a little no, aside that's a good there. Question. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, Dale, Dale, you, you talked about um, you you have a you have a thing to share dealing with the wind today. Well, I was going to use that as my trivia question. Uh, what is that? Today? Well, the, it's a, to name the windiest city. In the United States, I heard this on satellite radio today, so it must be true. And uh, I just want to warn you that Chicago is not didn't even make the top twelve, so it's not Chicago. Chicago is the windy city because it has politicians that talk a lot, and that's <laughs> that's how it got its nickname as the windy city. But the real windy city, what's the windiest city in the United States? And my clue is you can find this city on MeTV and other channels several times a day. Um, a shout out as uh, last week's winner of the trivia question was Fritz Keys. Mm-hmm. And Dale, what was the answer to that question? Well, it's the Spawn and Rose building. And uh, the green window be to the north, right on the front of the, of the store, has, been, has a hole in it, like somebody threw a softball through it or something. And uh, I don't know how many years it's been there, but uh, I just thought it was ironic because they probably sell hundreds of windows every year. <laughs> And yeah. yet, you know, their owner could could use a little work. And uh, uh, I know one of the uh, uh, people that sent in an answer was my son-in-law, Kevin Harris. And he said the reason was they left it there is so they could show that even when our window's broken, it keeps out all the elements and keeps it cool in the <laughs> summer and warm in the winter. So that was his his idea. So, All right. Uh, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. The... the uh, and I'll give another dairy call gift certificate for the Windy City. Somebody can call that in. So thank you. Uh-huh. All right. So first person to first person to text text me or call me at or email me. Call me at three one nine two nine zero zero two four one or text me. That's three one nine two nine zero zero two four one or email me at jgillespiegolf. At gmail.com. That's jgillespiegolf at gmail.com. Um, thank, thank you, Dale. That's all right. The, Do you know why they call golf golf? 
Why is that? No, all the other four-letter words were taken. So. <laughs> uh, humor in April. Okay, right, yeah. All right. And they say, well, very little humor. Yeah, I understand, yes. Yes. Um, I want to talk today a little bit about a famous magician that probably everyone's heard of and they don't realize it, mm -hmm. a man by the name of Eric Weiss. He was around at the turn of the century, around about 1900, actually born 1874 to 1926. Now, if you, if you think about it, um, he was probably, arguably, the greatest magician of all time, mm -hmm. most popular magician. But I don't know. Did he do? He didn't do tricks, but he did like escape things. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. He'd hang, be all chained up in a bag over a river, and yeah, right. very uh, some incredible. Yeah. Yes. Um. Very very small man. Very strong man. Mm -hmm. Uh. His his stage name was Harry Houdini. Yeah. And he was fascinated. At a young age, by, magi by magic, born, born in 1874, his father was a Jewish rabbi, and he was born in Budapest, Hungary, okay. and ended up living in Wisconsin. Oh, I didn't know that. And then, then um, his father moved to New York City, and Eric, or Harry, went with him. And eventually, the whole family was moved to New York City. Um, it was there um, Harry at first became mesmerized by the trapeze artists or arts. Mm -hmm. And again, that strength came to play. Yeah. Um, if you if you look at pictures of Houdini, big barrel of a chest of a man. Um, he would he would allow people he did to uh, punch him in the gut mm -hmm. um, because his stomach was so strong yeah. couldn't hurt him. In about 1894, Houdini launched his first professional act as a magician, and his wife would be his assistant for the rest of his life, um, even even up to the day that he died. Mm -hmm. And like you said earlier, Houdini, Houdini did escape acts. He would wrap himself in straight jackets. He would, he would lock himself in. He did a European tour, and everywhere he went, he would meet the police. Mm -hmm. And in order to get people's attention, we were talking about how to get, how to get people's attention for the art center. Um, Houdini would have the police lock him in the in the jail mm -hmm. in handcuffs yeah and then he would escape yeah and he, he was an incredible locksmith as well but very few people give it to very few people realize how he did it um, each time he would do a trick like um, being locked in jail or being dropped into the water in yeah, a big vat of water. Yeah. He'd be underneath the water, all tied up in, in a bag and straight jackets, and yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, his wife would kiss him. And she would have a key that unlocked most handcuffs. Ah, okay. And most and most locks. Mm-hmm. And so that that was the secret. I bet um, he didn't play around on his wife, did he? <laughs> Just <laughs> be the kiss of death. Where's the key? <laughs> um, her name was Beatrice or Bess Houdini was what she was called. Okay. Um, in 1899, Houdini's act caught the attention of Martin Beck, an entertainment manager who soon got him booked in the best vaudeville venues in the country. Vaudeville was, was the Broadway of the time right. period. And he, he then followed a tour of Europe. Um, the show was a huge sensation. Soon he became the highest paid performer in American vaudeville, and he actually bought an airplane. Okay. And uh, he was, he tried to be the first to fly across Australia and thought he was, but it came out um, a couple months later than a man had beaten him. Oh, okay. The, uh, that man's name was Colin DeFreeze. Um, he also had a movie, movie studi- studio He and a movie career. He did more, more flaw exploits to celebrate Houdini Paris. You know, it was a movie in Paris as, as he traveled Europe, which documented his escapes. He started in several subsequent films, including The Master Mystery, The Grim Game, and Terror Island in New York. He, he started his own production company, Houdini Picture Corporation, and a film lag called the Film Development Corporation, but neither was a success. In 1923, Houdini became president of Martinic and Company, America's oldest magic company. Um, he had a publishing company, and the career didn't end with his literary takedown. It ended with a takedown of John Unique or Eugene Robert Houdini, either as he later wrote Miracle Mongers and Their Methods and A Magician Among the Spirits. And that brings me to Houdini was involved in mysticism. He actually, when his mother passed away, he tried to communicate with his mother um through through mysticism <clears throat> and obviously it didn't work mm-hmm. and he made a deal with his wife Bess that whoever died last was to try and communicate with one another um and Bess in in the 1940s debunked all of all all mystics mm-hmm. um Houdini died. There, there, there's several arguments. Um, many mystics hated Houdini because he proved them wrong. Yeah. And so some people set, claim that they poisoned him. Uh, um, a college boy came to his dressing room one night after a show, asked Houdini if he could punch him in the stomach, and Houdini said, yeah, and... A lot of people believe he had um, a ruptured appendix already, mm-hmm. and when they punched him, that was it. That was it. Yeah, yeah. caused him, yeah. caused him to die. So he died at the age of fifty-two in Detroit, Michigan. Okay. Now I knew a couple that did this mystic thing. Do you want to hear about them? Yeah. Uh, 
he believed in reincarnation, and she believed that he went to heaven. And so whoever died first was supposed to come back. And so the man died, and the woman went to a mystic, the crystal ball thing, and got him up in the ball. And she said, Harold, can you tell me about where you're at? Oh, yeah, he says, uh, it's great here. Big sky, green grasses. I eat the most wonderful breakfasts and lunches and dinners every day and just have sex all the time. It's just <laughs> terrific. And his wife said, oh, Harold, you're an angel in heaven. And he said, no, I'm a bull in Montana. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, mysticism is interesting. Uh, there, there's many mystics out there that can be studied, and there's movies been done about mm -hmm. them. Um, it, it is fun to look at your horoscope and things like that, but it... It's rather unique. Um, in, the, in the days to come, we're going to we're going to look at that. Um, as far as as from White's funeral home, uh, we only have one one um, obituary. It is Carla Mary Strickler, sixty-two years old, of Iowa City, Iowa, and formerly of Jessup, died April 6, thousand twenty-three in a rehab and healthcare center in Iowa City. Carla was born December 25th, a Christmas baby, in 1960 in Dubuque, Iowa, the daughter of Jerry Bernard Hinchin with Jeanette Margaret Schraubling Hinchin. She graduated from Jessup High School with a class of 1979 and then attended Allen School of Nursing, where she graduated with a nursing degree. Carla survived by two sons, John Hinchin and Curtis Hinchin of Fairfax, two grandchildren, her father, Gerald Hinchin of Jessup, her mother, Jeanette Lincoln of Independence, six brothers, Mike, Mark, Jeffrey, Patrick, Jerry, and Kevin, and then three sisters, Karen Poland, Jean. Bergman of Jessup and Jack Danielson, uh, or Jackie Danielson of Cedar Falls. One stepsister, Karen Martin of Denver, Iowa. She's preceded in death by her stepmother, Judy Hinchin, a sister-in-law, Dawn Hinchin, and stepbrother, Roger McGonagall. Thank you. Dale, April is humor month. Yes, it is. So probably not... The right way to follow obituaries, <laughs> but well, uh, you know, uh, they have fun things about everything. You know, even obituaries and death and that sort of thing, like that little story I told you before. You know, yes. it's all just part of it. And so, uh, I thought since it was Humor Month, uh, some it's my own thing. Uh, I like humor, and I think uh, it's a lot of fun to be able to tell a story to somebody or to hear other people's stories. And it was very interesting. I was at the meat market in. Uh, the fair went independence last week, and they were they weren't very busy in this Abby that runs the place, a very nice young lady. And something came up and it reminded me of a story that had meat in it. And so I told her the joke and she laughed. He said, Oh, she says, There's another guy that comes in here and tells me jokes from Jesse. I said, Well, it's Howard Byer. Well, she didn't know his name, but she but he kind of bawled in and said, Yeah, that's Howard Byer. I said, He's <laughs> and I'm sure that it was Howard Byer. So he's very well known for telling jokes, and so. But I thought I would use this little book. It's called Jokes Every Man Should Know. It's edited by Don Steinberg, and 
Really, there are no new jokes. I mean, people ask me if I write jokes. I have never written a joke in my life, uh, I, and I don't really steal them from other people. I just retell the ones that I find amusing. And uh, there are uh, lots and lots and lots of different ways of, of, of joking about different things and trying to make people laugh. And uh, some of this uh, that he wrote is kind of the way I look at things. Uh, a lot of jokes are just a cover for saying something mean-spirited, derogatory, racist, or sexist. And I, I don't want anything to do with that sort of thing. That's not why I tell a joke. And though I do think ethnic jokes are very funny. That's my generation. Though uh, there's nobody of any real problem that I tell jokes to around here anymore. But I used to be uh, in the Marine Corps. We would tell jokes all the time, a lot of ethnic jokes and the Italians would tell Italian jokes, and the black people would tell black jokes. It was just a lot of fun. Uh, obscenity is always a problem in jokes, and uh, sometimes it's what makes the joke. But uh, normally I try to stay away from that. And Alan King was a famous comedian. He said, if you have to say the F word at the end of every joke, then it's not a joke. And so you didn't put any thought into it. Uh, a true gentleman's joke, and these are the kind I like, is that you can tell in mixed company without being embarrassed. And uh, I think that's uh, very important. Uh, there's an editorial in the 2005 New York Times that I thought was interesting that said that the joke is dead. And what they meant was the, the joke where you have a little story, like your highway patrol story last right. week, where there's a little story and you try to make it sound like it's something that really did happen. And then there's a little punchline at the end. It's now it's all pretty much one-liners and snappy little things. Uh, that a lot of comedians do, and so they, they call them one-liners or snarky little things that they do. If you think about Chris Rock, it's just boom, boom, you know, one right after the other, yeah. that kind of thing. I find him hilarious, though, but uh, uh, so uh, they are jokes that are classics, and uh, the, the kind of jokes, they are limericks. You know any limericks you could share? Uh, Limericks are like the five letter. Uh, there was a young girl from Madrid who was naughty in all that she did. She favored strip poker and played till it broke her, which made her a popular kid. So, <laughs> and then knock knock. Kids usually start with knock knock jokes. Uh, when you uh, like ginger was the spice right. of the month over there, and it reminded in uh, uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. There's a sequel to that book called The Great Glass Elevator with Charlie and Willy Wonka, and they go up into space, but uh, Willy Wonka calls the premier of China. And so he says, knock, knock. Who's there? Ginger. Ginger who? Ginger yourself when you fell off the Great Wall of China. <laughs> so knock, knock jokes. I've All my grandsons have told me knock, knock jokes, and they just crack up themselves. <laughs> and the joke makes absolutely no sense, you know, where they just crack up themselves and you want to say, okay, go play with the dog. But uh, they, uh, they just crack themselves with those knock-knock jokes, which uh, are kind of fun. And, uh, historically, in my own life, I remember the first joke, and maybe the only joke my mother ever told me. I came home, and I must have been a young teenager. And she said, oh, she said, I read in the paper they have a new bikini. And in those days, in the 50s, bikinis were kind of risque yet, yeah. you know. And my mother was older, and so it was very risque for her. I said, a new bikini? And she said, yes, it's made out of barbed wire. 
And I said, okay, a bikini made out of barbed wire? She said, yes, it protects the property without obscuring the view. <laughs> and so that's more than 50 years ago, more than 60 years ago, and I still remember that, and so it was kind of fun. Uh, but those kind of things stay with you. Uh, I, for a long time, I liked groaners. Do you like groaners? Yeah. And uh, I told this next one to a, uh, a group of people and uh, got nothing. I mean, really nothing, and which is what I expected. So, but uh, yeah, Horkheimer's and Hazel, they make those houses. Yep. And they had sold one, and so they had it on the back of a truck. And we're going uh, through Independent to go south to Cedar Rapids with it. So they get to the railroad tracks there, and the, the cab gets across, but the trailer is stalled, the, the truck stalls, and the trailer is on the track. So the guy's trying to start that, and it just won't start. And then all at once, you know, the train is coming, and it's one of those going pretty, pretty fast. And so the train smashes right into that house on the trailer. And just as the train hit that house, it made a noise just like a tornado. Okay. All right. Nothing, right? <laughs> and I'm not going to explain it. Anyway, after the program was over, a lady came up to me and said, my husband got your joke right away. And I said, well, he was the only one. <laughs> so it was good. So I like groaners. Uh, jokes can be topical. And like when Tiger Woods, was, he was at the top of his game and doing really, really well. And he had that problem with his wife, that accident. Yeah. And so and he ran his car off the road. And, and somebody said, yeah, Tiger Woods was driving his car. And he ran into a tree and a bunch of women fell out. <laughs> and literally, that's kind of what happened. He ran into the tree, and all of us, all these stories, but all these other women came out, and so his whole thing changed. And so uh, I thought I'd take a minute to uh, talk about how to tell a joke, eight tips, okay? Uh, telling jokes, some people say, I can't, I can't tell a joke. And I said, well, you can. There's a knack to it, and you have to practice, but it can be learned. And so I was going through a couple of these. First thing, and the most important thing, is no your lines. Nothing's worse than somebody starting a joke and saying, oh, I forgot what came next or whatever. It doesn't yeah. work. So you need to know, know your lines just like anything else. And think about it as something that's really true. And tell it like Jim did. Tell it like it's a true story. Tell it like something that really, really happened to you. And so uh, if it's about animals, think about a farmer that you know. Or if it's about a fisherman, think about somebody that you know that fishes. You know, try to put a face to it. And know your audience is the second thing they talk about. Uh, who are you talking to and what kind of things might they be interested in? And, uh, for example, I know jokes about uh, the Marine Corps that other Marines and old Marines find very hilarious, but everybody else, they have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. And so you have to kind of know your audience. Uh, if you're in a mixed crowd and you're wondering about the language or whatever, go with the vanilla, they always say, you know. Uh, don't embarrass yourself and don't embarrass your audience members either. So right. there's ways of doing that. So, And make sure you have their undivided attention. Don't start telling a joke when nobody's listening to you. Mm -hmm. uh, because then you get to the point where you have to explain the joke. And if you're explaining the joke, then you're gone. You've lost it forever. And lost. so you might as well just quit. Uh, use pause. I don't know if you ever listened to Jack Benny, yeah, television yeah. radio. And he, had, he was famous for his pauses. And one of his shows, uh, a guy's sticking him up, and he says, your money or your life. And there's this big 30-second pause. 
And the guy says, well, and he says, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, because his persona was he was a tightwad, you know, miser. <laughs> yeah. And so, but one of the greatest jokes of all time, and the, what made it was the pause. And so you can uh, linger. Don't laugh yourself when you tell a joke. Right. And so mine are so hilarious, I can't help myself. <laughs> but you can have a little smirk or smile on your face, but try to tell it and, and not get all laughy yourself. And uh, keep it short, you know. If you're telling a joke that's 10 minutes long, you better have a huge punchline at the end because uh, that's way too long for people to... Uh, uh, and I forgot this, I read this before. E.B. White wrote Charlotte's Web, and he wrote a book called The Elements of Style that college kids use when they're learning how to write yep. essays and this sort of thing. And he said, and one of his things was, omit unnecessary words, just leave them out already. And so he was making fun of his own rule there. Do you see that? Okay, all right. I worry about you. Okay. <laughs> Listen and learn, okay? Uh, you don't need to steal other people's jokes, but you can listen to people tell a joke. And if you've heard the joke already, don't say anything. Just listen and let the guy tell the story. Right. You know, uh, Don't ruin it for everybody else. And uh, don't start out with, say, oh, listen to this one. This is really funny. That's a bad way to start a joke. Yeah. Uh, I start a joke sometimes with my deadpan face, and my wife said, "Oh yeah, this is a good one because she's heard it twenty-five times." And I said, oh, I, "I wish you wouldn't do that, you know." So, <laughs> so never build up to it. She's so. your agent. Your wife is your agent. Well, I don't know, but uh, it's it's funny how women who have husbands that tell jokes are very patient and. Uh, they go along with it and they laugh every time and they don't mm -hmm. say, Herbert, I wish you wouldn't do that or whatever. It's kind of nice. So anyway, I picked out a couple more to tell you. Is that all right? Yes. Okay. And I don't have them all memorized, so I thought I would just, okay. <clears throat> a guy tells his psychiatrist, it was terrible. I was away on business and I sent my wife an email saying, I'll be back a day early. So I rush home from the airport, and when I get home, I found her in bed with my best friend. I don't get it. How could she do this to me? Well, reasons the psychiatrist, maybe she didn't get the email. <laughs> okay. Religious joke. Always great. St. <clears throat> Peter and Jesus are golfing. Okay. St. Peter steps up to the tee on a par three and hits one long and straight and hits the green. Jesus is up next, and he slices it. The ball heads over the fence into traffic on an adjacent street. It bounces off a truck, onto the roof of a nearby shack, and into the rain gutter, down the drain spout, and onto a lily pad at the edge of a lake. A frog jumps up and snatches the ball in his mouth. An eagle swoops down, grabs the frog. As the eagle flies over the green, the frog croaks and drops the ball, and it's in the hole. St. Peter looks at Jesus exasperated and says, are you going to play golf or are we just going to mess around? <laughs> mm. And I kind of like this. this is about Mother, Mother Teresa jokes, you know. Here's what Mother Teresa, you're in line to get to heaven and Mother Teresa is in front of you. And St. Peter is saying to Mother Teresa, if you'd only done just a little bit more, you know. Yep. Yeah, so, okay. Ah, Mother Teresa goes to heaven. And she's immediately able to meet with God. And he asks her if she's hungry. And she says yes. So he opens up a can of tuna fish, gets some bread, makes a sandwich. While they're eating through cracks in the floor, she sees what appears to be hell. There are flames everywhere and horrible beasts, but the people down there are eating steaks and lobsters and having cream brulee for dessert. 
For days, the same thing happens. She keeps seeing the people in hell eating gourmet foods all day, but when she meets with God, he just opens up a can of tuna fish. God, it's not that I'm complaining. She says, I'm grateful for everything I've been given, but I can't help but wonder, why are they eating all that lavish food down there and we're just having tuna sandwiches? Well, God said, with just the two of us up here, I thought, why cook? <laughs> uh, all right, Dale. Well, thank you. That's all right. I'll save one for another day. Okay. <laughs> you know, like genie stories? Yes. I one genie story. Guy finds the bottle, opens it up, and the genie comes out. And the genie said, you've reached me. You've freed me from my prison. I'll give you one wish. Well, the guy pulls a map out of his back pocket and unfolds it and everything and said, here, see, this is the Middle East. I would like to have peace in the Middle East. Can you do that for me? And the genie said, oh, man, he says, I'm from the Middle East myself, and that stuff's been going on for centuries and centuries, and uh, there's this and that and the other. Said, I just don't think that's even possible. I don't think I can do that. Do you have another wish? The guy said, well, yeah, he says, I, I've been married 40 years, but I still don't understand my wife or, or any other woman for that. You know, they say yes when they mean no, and sometimes they don't talk to you for a week, and other times they just chatter, chatter, chatter all day long, and they cry when they're happy, and they cry when they're sad. I just don't ask you. Explain, how can I understand women? And the genie said, uh, let me take a look at that map again. <laughs> okay, you're a little slow there, but that's all right. All right, that's... <laughs> all right, thank all right. you. Thank you, Dale. Uh, in school news, the, the, at the, at the uh, board meeting, the, there were public comments. Um, there was staff and student reports. Um, there was the administrator's report and the superintendent's reports dealing with the CAPS. There was a CAPS student presentation. The IASB workshop finalized details. Um, equipment maintenance program information. Um, they're constantly changing trucks and vans, et cetera, mm -hmm. tractors. A bond update. The calendar item, a special meeting, budget hearing, and bus barn edition is April 19th and a regular school board meeting the next regular school board meeting is May 8th of 2023 there were board reports and requests and a general business of the board consent items agenda minutes purchase orders claims financials transfers of funds between accounts transportation reports open enrollment applications um, used to be only a certain time you could open and roll. Now mm -hmm. you can open and roll anytime you yeah, want, where you, wherever you want to. Yep. Um, contracts, bids, items for disposal, personal personnel, out of state travel. I'm guessing um, the band is mm -hmm. traveling somewhere. Yeah. And early graduation requests. So then. Um, Monkey this proposal for social media marketing and advertising for the district. Again, trying to get the word out. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's a big deal. The, the medical insurance and plans were updated. Uh, dental optional insurance update and approval of a final school year calendar for next year. Sharing agreements with independent school district for girls wrestling, bowling, and soccer and boys soccer as well for the 2023-24 school year. Okay. Um, we we just don't have the population in Jessup to do 
golf, track, and soccer. Yeah. And if you see these soccer teams from the high school, they are like Hudson is in with Laporte and maybe somebody else. They have three or four schools. So you get three or four kids from each school that don't want to go track or golf, and yeah. they have they have soccer. And so a lot of them are multiple schools coming together to make a team. Right. So. Right. Uh, then then the adjournment took place. The in library news, um, the little little tot story time meets every Thursday at ten thirty a.m. for song stories and more. The Spice Club, um, April Spices Ginger, as Dale was saying. The book club join is meeting um, the day this comes out, April seventeenth at one p.m. Um, comes out at noon. Our podcast does. So if you <laughs> hurry down to get dressed to get down to the library, hurry down okay. to the library. Uh, the Taking of Jemima Boone by Matthew Pearl. Books are available at the Jessup Public Library. Kids in the Kitchen, Wednesday, April 19th at 3.30 p.m. And Moving Monday is The Whale, starring Brendan Fazer, rated R. Runs one hour, 57 minutes. Dale, do you remember the first R-rated movie you ever watched? Uh, it might have been like Irma LaDuce. Do you remember that? No. Okay, that was, uh, I know we wondered if they were going to let us in or not, and they did. And so it's a Jack Lemmon, Shirley MacLaine movie. Okay. Funny, I mean, just, uh, but she's a prostitute in Paris, so that's probably why ah. I think it was. Uh, yeah. uh, but that probably was it. Uh, I know uh, seeing Midnight Cowboy, okay, which yeah, was rated yeah. X at that time, it would have been rated R. I remember seeing that. Right. And, uh uh, being somewhat a, a little <laughs> shocked by the whole thing, but it was you know an ex- Academy Award-winning movie, right. very, an excellent film. But uh, I don't know. Most of the ones I see, if they're rated, that's for violence. I mean, John Wick. That name is familiar. Yeah, well, that John Wick Chapter Four is out. Okay. And uh, I've seen all three of those, and those are the ones you look at and think, okay, this is because <laughs> it's he's you know it's very violent, a lot of fighting yeah. and and shooting and this sort of thing. But I would if we. We went, Deb and I went to see Air, which is about the signing by Nike of Michael Jordan. Oh, yeah. And that is a fantastic movie. I recommend that to anybody that has uh, any interest at all. And it just was very, very interesting to see how these companies work things. And uh, at the end, they said Michael Jordan makes $400 million a year from Nike. And they call it passive income, meaning he doesn't have to do any work for it, but he gets $400 million uh-huh. a year from those shoes. And so... Uh, the first shoe they had to do something to get him, so they said, we'll make him red. And they said, well, NBA doesn't like red shoes. They like white shoes. If you have too much color, they'll fine you $5,000 a game when you wear them. And Nike said, well, we'll pay the fine. And so, <laughs> so it's very interesting. What's interesting also is how big a part his mother had in this whole thing. Uh, somebody told the people at Nike the way to get to a black player is through the mother. Uh-huh. And so he made uh, a contact with the mother, and had a really, and uh, that's how it all worked out. Where he decided to go with Nike, and of course it made him a billionaire. I'm right. sure. Right. Um, so uh, very interesting movie. I highly recommend it. Okay. So, language problems. It's not for the kids. Right. But uh, uh, to be in big business, you have to swear a lot. I guess. <laughs> you know, I don't know anybody that talks like that on a regular basis. No. You know, but it just seemed like uh, that's. I don't know. Anyway, go ahead, Jim. Uh, the first R-rated movie that uh, that I I 
went to, I was 15 years old, so I wasn't ready. Mm-hmm. And uh, Cres- the Cresco Theater was not open yet, or reopened. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of like the Moloch Theater. They rebuilt it and uh, redecorated everything. And so we, we would go to decor to the movies. And my, my friends wanted to see Carrie, Stephen King's Carrie. Okay. And when the people at the theater had to call our parents yeah. to, to get us in. Oh, is that right? And we got in, and it was frightening. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I found myself wishing I, I didn't go. It yeah. was, uh, yeah. you know, and t- compared to today's movies, it doesn't hold up. Yeah. Yeah. So the most fun I ever had going to the movies was in the Marine Corps, where you'd be in a theater and it's all. Crazy eighteen to twenty year old kids, and they would yell at this. Usually, they show war movies or cowboy yeah. movies, and they'd yell at the screen and laugh and make jokes and messed up the dialogue. You know, just <laughs> it was so much fun. I tell you, uh, I've never had more fun than that at yeah. the movies. It was it cost fifteen cents to get in. So uh, that's cool. Yeah, it was uh, just. Uh, I wish I could tell you some of this stuff uh, some other time. <laughs> yeah, all right. Uh, the, don't forget to support the Justin Public Library as we have Velvet Coffee Company Bookworm Blend Coffee available to you, and they also sell a 30-ounce Polar Camel water bottle um, with QR code at the front desk. New things to check out at the library, a croquet set. Uh, Dale, someday we'll have to play croquet. That would be all right. Disc golf, a digital camera, and a spike ball game. Um, don't forget Dolly Parton's Ima- Imagination Library and some of the new bestsellers, Worthy Opponents by Daniel Steele. I Will Find You by Harlan Coben. Countdown by James Patterson. Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. Storm Watch by C.J. Box, The London Seance Society by Sarah Penner, Spare by Prince Harry, Eight Rules of Love by Jay Shetty, and Walk the Blue Line by James Patterson. Did you see, I believe it was in uh, either Mississippi or Tennessee this week, that their one of their legislative houses voted to no longer fund public libraries. Oh, is that their, right? In their states. I had not heard that. Um, now, obviously, he's got to get by the governor yeah. mm-hmm. um, in order to pass, but, but it's, it's, <laughs> uh, times are changing. They, they really are. Uh, who would ever thought that? Dale, Dale, I've got to ask you. Our next story deals with competition. Okay. Um, when, when I taught school, I would ask my students if they were competitive, if uh, who the most competitive person is in their house um, that they knew. Um, perhaps you, you and I were talking about Mike Sinrum, mm-hmm. one of the one of uh, the kindest and nicest human beings I've ever been around. He was maybe the most competitive human I've ever been around. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, Mike, Mike Sinrum. Um, he taught. He actually. I give. I give Mike credit for making me the competitor that I was. Him mm. and my mother. Yeah. Um, I can remember going to family reunions, and my mother and her sister and brothers would play cards <clears throat> at 
50, 60, 70 years old, and invariably a shouting match would break out almost every time. <laughs> yes. They, they weren't competitive at all. Yeah. No, I played um, cards with a family like that. Yeah, just, yep. Yeah. Um, but the, the story today I want to tell you is called The Greatest Game Ever Played. It's the story of the 1992 Dream Team um, dream basketball team. If many of you remember that went to the Olympics in '92, the U.S. Olympic Committee started to allow professional athletes mm-hmm. to go to the Olympics. Right. And so, on the dream team that year, they went and got the some of the greatest athletes of. The NBA, uh, Michael Jordan, and Jordan had played in the '84 Olympics when he was a college kid oh, with okay. Bobby Knight in, Lo- I believe it was Los Angeles. It was a, no, it was '80 in the '80 Olympics. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, uh, they got Scottie Pippen. They got Larry Bird. Larry Bird was right at the end of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got Patrick Ewing. Some great stories of Patrick Ewing um, and his family and Commissioner Stern at the time yeah. as they traveled. I remember watching Patrick Ewing when he was when he was a senior. When he's a junior, they won the the NCAA, right? Georgetown did. Yeah, I think and so. the next year, they're playing in the tournament, and things aren't going well for Georgetown. They call a timeout, and he gets his little guard. He gets his face right under. He says, "Give me the ball." You can read his lips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You never saw a man so intense. I thought, oh boy, if he told me that, I'd pass it every time. <laughs> but he was very intense. So he's a very competitive person, I bet you. Yes, so. he was. Carl Malone was on that team. Magic Johnson. Uh, Magic Johnson, if you remember, had uh, got out of basketball for a while when he was was diagnosed with HIV. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he came back and then actually got on the Olympic team. Mm-hmm. Charles Barkley was on that team, Chris Mullen, David Robinson, and, and uh, they had made a deal, the NBA had made a deal with, USA Basketball had made a deal that they would take one college player, mm-hmm. and they took Chris Leitner from Duke. Oh, okay. And so there was, uh, they were preparing to play in Barcelona that year. It was 92, and the, the Olympics were in Barcelona. And they they were practicing. Chuck Daly was the head coach. He was uh, the Detroit Piston head coach. Okay, sure. And Magic had made him a promise that he would see that they would never have a bad practice. Mm-hmm. And when it, it was three days before the opening day of the Olympics, and they were having a bad practice. Magic grabbed the ball and threw it into the seats of the arena and, and used that verbiage that you mm-hmm. talked about uh, yeah. with the Mike, Michael Jordan <laughs> movie. Uh, and so they decided to have a scrimmage. And nobody was there but the coaches and the players, the trainers, and... One of the trainers videotaped a little bit of it, but 
there's there's not the whole game. There's yeah. nothing mm-hmm. out there that you mm-hmm. can see it. And the teams that they broke up were um, Michael Jordan was the captain of one team and Magic Johnson was the captain of the other team. And on Michael's team was Scottie Pippen, Larry Bird, Patrick Ewing, Carl Malone. And there were two other men that, that aren't mentioned in the story. Um, John Stockton was okay. injured um, at that time, so mm-hmm. he set the scrimmage out. And Cl- Clyde Drexler, okay. who uh, Jordan and Pippen had just beat in, in the NBA playoffs. Mm-hmm. And every day in practice, Jordan Jordan would remind Drexler that he couldn't guard him. <laughs> and, you know, he wanted, he didn't just damage him in the NBA playoffs, yeah. he damaged uh-huh. him in practice. Um, some very competitive humans yeah. in there. On uh, Magic's team was Barkley, Chris Mullen, David Robinson, and Christian Leitner. Magic always told... Everybody that would listen, that whoever's team Leighton was on, they lost. Yeah, because because he was he was that college kid. Yeah, um, Leitner Leitner had a divisive personality. Um, I can remember the the Duke players, um, the Hurley that. Um, I can't remember the head head coach of Connecticut. That's not Bobby. Bobby Hurley is his brother. The player, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he coaches at Arizona State, but Bobby doesn't have a lot of good things to say about Leitner. Yeah, Leitner. There was a game. He was still at, at Duke, mm-hmm. and he was walking down the court, and, and a player on the other team had fallen down or something, and Leitner stepped on his, instead of stepping over, stepped on his back, and then kept on yeah. going, and that's it. Kind of player he was, you know. Yeah. Uh, I never liked him very much. He, he was, he was, he was competitive. He yeah, was, I was saying he was yeah. very competitive, and uh, but he just stepped right on that guy's back as he was walking across them. And the, this game broke out, and actually, <clears throat> Leitner controlled the game for the first oh five minutes. Uh-huh. You know, grabbing a half a dozen rebounds and uh, scoring five points, and and. Uh, Magic was just grinding on on Jordan, mm-hmm. just saying, you you know, you can't you can't guard me, you can't guard me, um, and finally Jordan decided to take over, and he had he had Pippen with him, he had uh, he had two pretty big men with uh, with Ewing and Carl Malone, mm-hmm. and they ended up winning. That scrimmage like forty to thirty six. Okay, and for the for the next two days, Jordan, every time he was around Magic, would sing "Be Like Mike," <laughs> just just to grind on it. Yeah, and so for two days, Magic was was broken up over that. Mm-hmm. So. So a ra- rather interesting story, but well, that, sure. yeah. that's the greatest game ever ever played. They yeah. claim in NBA basketball. Yeah. It would have been. Yes. It was more than an All Star team or two All Star. I mean, it was just yeah, terrific. So, yep. As far as Steve Brown Art Center announcements, Art in the Park is following most lunches in the park this summer, along with uh, the Jessup Public Library. 
the Steve Brown Arts Center is going to allow kindergarten through high school kids to to take an art class about five or six times. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. yeah. So it will be at like one o'clock, mm-hmm. um, not during Farmer's Day sure. or yeah. not when when uh, um, the theater camp is, mm-hmm. but but uh, about five times. And and we are, Kara, Carol Masteller, one of our board members is, is working to procure grants for the art supplies oh, for that. That would be great. So there will be a theater camp this summer, and we talked about this last week, July 23rd through the 28th, in and around the Jessup Pavilion. It will be six hours a day culminating in a performance Friday evening at 6 o'clock. This is sponsored by the Steve Brown Arts Center and the Jessup Rec Department. Don't forget the Littleton Free Watermelon Day is July 29th. From noon until eight. And where at in Littleton are you going to have that? Do you know, they or? are going to. There, there will be um, two stages for the music, and the music is Belvins and Powers, and they will play from one to three at the Littleton Chatham Historical Society. Okay. Um, on a stage there. All right. And then Chet Reagan music with Mandy McClary. Sorry, Belvins and Powers will be on a stage at Reyes Concrete. Okay. Forgive me. On a stage there. And that's across the street, right? That's from, across yeah. the road from the okay. bar. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And then three to five, Chet Reagan Music with Manny McClary will play at the Littleton Chatham okay. Historical Society. And then the final musical act will be from six to eight, and Bad Habits Band will play. Okay. And they will be back at Reyes Concrete. Okay. So that's... That's music for the day, and then uh, from four to five will be free watermelon. So we don't have any music during that, or, or we have we have music, um, but it will be along the side of the building for yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So we have artist Bruce Gordon, a colored pencil artist that does wildlife art from Grundy Center. Mm-hmm. We have Helen Hunter, a watercolor artist from Cedar Rapids, Marion area. Barb Paul is going to do a sip and paint session. We have food vendors, Jessup Lions Club, Boyd's Food Truck, and Totally Rolled Ice Cream of Northeast Iowa. Some of those sponsors include Littleton Lounge, Reyes Concrete, Littleton Chatham, Historical Society, Jacobson Fabrication, and Repair LLC, Dream Chaser Acres, Boyd's Food Truck, Jessup Lions Club, Independence High School FFA is going to provide the watermelon for us. Um, Thomas James LLC, Totally Rolled Ice Cream from Northeast Iowa, and Even Events and Rental LLC, Chris Evans um, Company is going to supply um, staging and chairs, etc. And and Chris will be on next week to talk about his company a little oh. bit, as well as his job as mayor. Okay, that would be interesting. Yes. So. Uh, more items and events and sponsors are to come. All of this is presented by the Steve Brown Arts Center. July 6th through the 8th, um, just a Farmer's Day here. here um, we are going to do a story core. Event. We've been trying to do that since January, Dale, and 
We are going to get that done at Farmers Day, okay. finally. Yeah. And you don't need any stuff, do you? Any building or a structure or a table or anything, or how are you going to work that? We are going to do... I haven't spoke to Alan yet. Um, we're going to try to get the pavilion, not the pavilion, but the bandstand, mm -hmm. if we can, yeah. to do it there. Okay. And if we can't, we will do some kind of tent or something. Okay, all right. So, so we, need, we, need, we need to talk to anyone that may be on the uh, Farmer's yes. Day board, oh. um, if you get a chance. Okay, uh, yeah. Thank you. Well, we'll do what we can for you. Know, we, we just need to... I didn't know if you had like a portable and you walked around and talked to people yeah. or if you had a station where they came and you talked to them at a set spot. And that's why I was asking. Yeah, so. we're going we're okay. to try to do it at a station. So you'd like to do it at the gazebo? At the gazebo, yeah. 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 I, I don't promise, but I don't think that would be a problem. But Thank you. Yeah, but I don't promise. Right, right. You know, and we can be pretty flexible on that. I mean, if there's other people that need that, if we could do it a couple hours each day, yeah. we could work yeah. that. There will be a student variety show in August, um, usually about the time that the teachers go back to school uh -huh. is when that will be. Uh, May through October, there are events at Independence Farmers Market, NFLW House near Kwaski. Um, the Steve Brown Arts Center is going to provide a, a musical act uh, one of those mornings, and we're also going to do a a Buchanan County Story Corps okay. at at the at their their Farmers Day. Okay. Then there's also possible news of a, a storefront for the Steve Brown Arts Center. Keep your ears open for updates. Okay. Don't forget the Steve Brown Arts Center is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that has a, a vision for artists, young and old alike, to have the opportunity to better themselves while helping to build the skills those around them. It will be offering community programming in justifiable before expanding to neighboring communities. Programming will include a community speaking series that will showcase existing creatives who reside within the community, as well as pop-up series that will spotlight and partner with local businesses to provide opportunities for community engagement. Don't forget in the 1990s, early 2000s, Jessup was a world-renowned for its artist and residence program, and the Steve Brown Arts Center would like to help return to this illustrious time period. Artists sponsored by the Steve Brown Arts Center will become involved with the communities that are residing in by providing programming and activity opportunities for community members as well as collaborating with local school districts. It's important for us for us that our artist's experience is influenced and developed in partnership with host communities. As, as we talk about that, Dale, um, we have the theater group with uh, your, your daughter and her husband coming back mm -hmm. and doing the, the theater camp um, at the end of July. Um, that will be out by email um, for K through eighth graders. Um, school email. Mm -hmm. Brock is going to send that out, and there will be information at City Hall. There will be information here at Cowork 591 as well. Uh, if you have, uh, if you have uh, other things that you'd like to know about the Steve Brown Arts Center, go to, go to our website at stevebrownartscenter.org. Go to Facebook. Um, the Steve Brown Arts Center, go to Twitter at the Steve Brown Arts Center. 
If you'd like to donate to the Steve Brown Arts Center and as we prepare for the Watermelon Days, um, it is it is starting to uh, sponsors are starting uh, starting to come. Now. Okay, so uh, starting starting to excite me about that. Um, if you have news or would like to sponsor us, uh, email us at jgillespiegolf at gmail dot com or call three one nine two nine zero zero two four one and leave a message. I'm Jim Gillespie. Thanks to co-host Dale Reber. Our pre- our producers, Blake Tempest and Kelly Seahaas. Um, I promised Kelly that I would get get uh, the food truck schedule out for for the rest of the the uh, month here. There's foods here mobile from 10:30 to 1:30 on the 18th. That's tomorrow. Mm-hmm. There on the 27th. There's come and get it from 11 to 7. And Wiley Coyote Grills here on the 28th from 11 to 6. So please make sure you stop at the food trucks at Cowork. Kelly does a nice job of bringing in a variety of food for us here in the community. Yeah, you know, the ones I tried last year I was very happy with. And, mm-hmm. and talking with the people, I said, you know, is it worth your while? They were very happy to be coming uh, yep. to Jessup for that. So uh, uh, I think it's a good thing. Yes, it is. So um, as uh, as you remember, each day is about little victories. That's for sure. Thank you.